Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. So today, to start off my teaching, I want to start off by reading a verse that was part of one of the last messages we did last year from the book of Revelation. It's a passage that you hear Jesus speaking to the church. And it says this. It says, here I, um, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, this verse is so powerful, and I mentioned it last uh, year. Was It's so weird to say last year. It's like 2023. So um, last year is that so many times we hear this ver- ver- uh, verse and we think it applies to unbelievers. And you might have said it yourself or you've heard other people say, hey, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. You have to let him in. And you're talking to someone that doesn't know God. And obviously that makes sense. The fact that we want them to know God and have a relationship with him. But what's interesting is that this verse where Jesus is speaking it's not directed to an unbeliever at all. It's directed to a church. It's directed to believers. So pretty much saying you could know about God. You could go to church every Sunday. You could read your Bible every day. You could be a part of ministry. You could be involved in so many other things, but you still don't know Jesus. And here Jesus is saying, you know what? The church has locked me outside of the doors. The church is not letting me in. And what Jesus um, um, signifying here is pretty much talking about Christians' hearts, not a physical building. It's like the Christians are not allowing me to come into their heart. I remember back in the day when we did our first youth retreat, one of our first youth retreats, we had a retreat and we always have a different theme. And this one had to do with doors. It had to do with doors. I think the title was something like, who's knocking on your doors? Something along those lines. But I do remember that it was doors. And there's going to be a picture behind me where it's going to highlight different doors. The first door is a screen door. It's a screen door. You know the screen door. You don't want the mosquitoes come in, get them muerdan or something like that. So you put the um, screen door so like the mosquitoes can't come in, but the breeze is able to come in. The next one there that you see is a glass door. It's a glass door that you could clearly see out from, but yet you don't feel the winds. You don't experience thing at, um, pretty much anything from the outside, but you could see what's happening. So, you know, if you like to be nosy, just be in and see, like, you know, you don't have to look through the blinds or anything. You could see everything through the glass door. The next door is a wooden door. 
The wooden door, you can't see anything, but, and you can't feel anything, but you could still hear like what's happening out, outside and, and you know that there's stuff outside. And the last one that's there is a vault door. Now, this is a pretty much, a, you could say like a safe door or one of those vaults in a bank. That door is sealed, shut, like combination, extra thick. You won't be able to see, hear, feel. That thing is padded. Like it's very hard for there to be any interaction, you could say. Now, with this, I want to let you know that every Christian decides what type of door they want to have in their heart when it comes to their relationship with God. Every Christian decides what type of door. So for every person that's sitting here on the floor, in the balcony, watching through a live stream, right now, this moment, one of these doors pretty much is symbolic to your relationship with God. Some of us, our relationship with God, we put a screen door because we want to be able to feel God Uh, you could say his presence and just the breeze once in a while coming through, but yet you still have a division that's there, which the door is in place, a screen door. For others, it's a glass door. Really, we don't really feel anything when it comes to God. Even when sometimes when some, someone might tell you, it's like, oh, I feel God's presence or something. It might even be weird to you. Like, you're like, well, I don't feel nothing. You know, like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you have a glass door because you're able to look out. And even though you can't feel the breeze or God's presence, you could still see things. You can't deny that God is there and And you're able to see things happening in your life or in other people's lives. And you could see it from a distance. Others of us, we have a wooden door. The wooden door is there. You really can't see anything and you can't feel anything, but you do hear stuff. Like from the standpoint that you hear about God once in a while and you know he's real, but you don't really have a deep relationship with God, you have pretty much just what you hear at a distance, whether it be at church, or maybe it's your parents or your grandparents that are always talking about God, or maybe it's your friends or someone at work that always highlights God. And all of a sudden you just hear stuff at a distance. But for others, it's a vault. We have a vault door keeping God from coming close to us. Now, remember all these doors, I'm talking about Christians here. I'm not talking about people that don't know God. These are Christians. Some Christians have a vault door, pretty much keeping God out, even though they know about God, even though they might go to church, even though they might be able to even quote a Bible verse or two. They know about God, but yet they have a vault door where God is sealed out. For some reason, you have decided that you're not going to let God get close and you've sealed him out. And it's not, you don't feel him. You don't experience the breeze of his spirit. You don't see anything that's happening. You don't hear anything that's going on, but yet you know about him, but you've kept them sealed out. I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't want to have any door blocking God from having access to my life. I want God to have 
full access, op- wide open door. Now, obviously, I wouldn't have wide open door for any other people, you could say, when it comes to like the world or stuff. But when it comes to God, God has to have full access into your life. There's no door that I want to put in place, no screen door, no glass door, no wooden door, no vault door. I want him to be able to walk in and out of my life as often as he wants. I want to feel, see, hear, and fully experience God's presence in my life. As you know, the word of the year is dwell, and it's about learning to live in the shadow of the Almighty. And one of the things, too, is that what we're doing is through this year, we're going to be focusing on different books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But one of the things we're going to be doing is something different. We're going to be looking for God's presence through the book. We're going to be seeing how he moves and operates. But not just that, we want to know how we could learn from it. Because the reality is, I don't want to do anything without God. I don't want to take a step in this life without God. I don't want to take my next breath without God. God is something that you need more than anything else. And we've often come to, we've become delusions thinking that we could go through life without him. We think we're bright enough or we have enough experience or we don't really need that closeness with God. But the truth is you do. You do and I do every single day of our lives. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the book of Exodus. And before we go into the teaching teaching, I just do want to let you know, I want to remind you that the Israelites went to Egypt to escape a famine when Joseph was there. And Joseph was second in command while they were there, the Israelites. But pretty much while they were there, 400 years passed. 400 years is a long time. A lot of things could happen in 400 years, and a lot of people passed away, including Joseph. And Pharaoh passed away, who granted Joseph the opportunity to be second in command. Of course, we know God did it, but um, that Pharaoh passed away, and there was a new Pharaoh in place, a new Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph and didn't know who the journey, you could say, of the Israelites of that time, but saw the Israelites as pretty much problems. They saw them as being a group of people that might join with other groups to attack Egypt or and be a threat to them or maybe take them over. So all of a sudden, Pharaoh decided, it's like, you know what? We're going to kill every baby boy. Every baby boy we're going to kill. We're not going to allow baby boys to live because we want to minimize the possibility of the Israelites becoming more powerful. So that's pretty much where we're picking up in the story, you could say, of Exodus. But I do want to let you know there's going to be a slide behind me. Today, we're going to learn about his presence moving, manifested, and maintained. Everyone say moving manifested and maintained. So first, we're going to talk about his presence moving. And really, I I want you to think of the basket. Basket. Think of a basket, okay? We're going to read in Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 1 through 10. If you have your Bible, you could turn. 
It says this, it's going to be behind me. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitched. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. This was Moses' sister, Miriam. It says, his sister, um, coming up, his sister stood at, at a distance to see what happened to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then, she, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went, got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby, nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I know there's a lot of verses there, but this verse here, this passage here, if you want to ever look at a passage talking about how God's presence is moving, but it might not be like a burning bush type of thing, and you're trying to see the circumstances, this is unbelievable what just happened. Literally, like, think about what just happened. You know that Pharaoh wants to kill all the male boys, here, there's Moses' mom. Moses is born, and he, she hides him for three months, saying, let me try to keep him hidden so he can live and not die. Then she gets Moses, puts him in a bag. Vamos a hacerlo eso otra vez, porque no se pueden dormir ustedes. Yo, she got Moses and put him in a basket. Yo. Yeah, now you, yeah, that was like Deca Strong type of basket. Yeah, you guys are excited now. So he put Mo, she put Moses in the basket. Now think about that, putting a baby in a basket in a river. I thank God Almighty my mom didn't put me in the Elizabeth River in a basket when I was little. I would have came out with like seven legs or something like that. No, no, I'm joking. But like... Think about it. Imagine if my mom would have put me in a basket in Elizabeth River and let me see where I end up going or whatever. That's not the safest thing to do. And for all of you guys that are parents here, I don't know how many of you would put your baby in a river and just in a basket. It's like, bye, Moses. Like, you know what I mean? like, like, let him go across. So here you have him. He goes, he's pretty much, they put him in the river and he didn't drown. You know, the basket or whatever she did pretty much works pretty well. It happened to be that Pharaoh's daughter was going to take a bath, going to the river to go swimming. It happened to be that that same timing, time period she went, and she happens to see the basket floating. 
sends people to get, get it and sees the baby. Pharaoh's daughter happens also to feel great compassion for the baby and not decide, hey, the Pharaoh, of course, wants to kill all the babies, so this one has to die too. She, no, no, that didn't take place. He, she ends up wanting to keep the baby. Then in addition to that, she ends up sending for someone to come and raise the child. And it happened to be that Miriam, uh, Moses' uh, sister, was close by. And she says, I know who could help. She speaks to Pharaoh's daughter, gets Moses' mom, the one that was wanting for him to live and not die. Now she gets to raise her son in a culture and in a world that wanted all the boys to be um, killed. He, she gets to raise them. And did you catch something else too? Not only did she get to raise them, Pharaoh's daughter said, I'm going to pay you to raise them. So here, she was in a situation before thinking her son was going to die. Now she's in a situation where she has the blessing from Pharaoh's daughter letting her raise her son, and Pharaoh's daughter is paying her to do it as well. Now, here you see God guiding Moses' life, even when Moses wasn't able to make decisions on his own, and completely helpless as a baby in the basket, and all these circumstances just happen to happen. That's God's presence moving between the circumstances, the people, the river current, everything taking place. God is in the very midst of everything that's happening to the, to the point that God is blessing the Israelites, Moses and his mother, through their enemies. Their own enemies are paying them, blessing them. Now, who does this? Now, I don't know what that was. Was that you, Jesus? So God guided him, protected him, and blessed him and his family all the way through. Now, I have a question for you. How did you get from where you were and where you are today? Where did you get, how did you get to back in the day? to where you stand today, that journey that you went in, that Nile River that you went through, how did you get to where you are today? I know we could think of a lot of things, but I want to let everyone know God's hand is in your life. His fingerprints are there, whether you see it or not. And I know, I know what you're thinking. We're not yet to the place we want to be, but let me tell you something. We're in that journey, and God is in every single situation and moment in our life. And if we would just pay attention and take a moment from our busyness and our distractions and what the world is whispering to us and the noise around us, and we just take a step back, we're like, you know what, God, you've never left my side. You've never left my side since I was born throughout my entire journey of my life. You have been there every chapter of the way, every good time, every bad time, every, every tragedy, whatever happened, I could see your fingerprints through everything. 
God is there in every step of the way. And for some of us, we need to realize that because maybe you're facing circumstances currently that's blinding you and you're really feeling like you're stuck or that you're all alone. You just have to take a step back and see how God's brought you through so much in the past. Do you really think God's going to stop? You think that God's not going to continue guiding, leading you and being with you even when you're not, even when we reject God. Even when we walk away from God, even when we don't give God the time or day, God is still there loving on you, being there calling on you, wanting you to draw near every single day of our lives. Sometimes circumstances just don't make sense, but all of a sudden we see things fall into place. People that cross our paths that are sent by God, we're like, how did, how, how did that happen? Some of you know, even like um, some of, I'm not, because of time, I'm not going to go, go to it. But I just think of even Jen and I, like our journey, like I've known Jen since she was 12 and I was 15. And we look back in our journey and we see God's fingerprints through it all. God's fingerprints, like, you know, like here I am from Elizabeth and she's fr- she was born in Queens and Newark and then Hillside, jumping around in so many different places. And, and, and then when she met me, I said, yo, I hope you're willing to live with Elizabeth for the rest of your life. She looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, yo, Eastwick for life. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so I was like, I hope you're willing to live with Elizabeth forever. So um, that, that conversation did come up. And it did come up. She's like, yeah, you want to be here forever? I was like, yeah, forever. I love Elizabeth. I won't be here until Jesus calls me home. So, so pretty much our journey is so like different, like in a sense. But yet God brought us together and we see the fingerprints. But that's just my story. I know you have your stories. I know that you see God bringing um, these, these fingerprints. And also just how God blessed Moses and his mom through his enemies. There, there, there's been situations in my life that my enemies have blessed me. <laughs> like they might not like me. They might not want to bless me, but they still blessed me because it's just, that's the way God ordained it. It's like God made the circumstance a certain way. They had to bless me. So, so it's one of those things that we have to trust God's sovereignty in our life. And that is our action here. It's going to be our action main point. It's going to be behind us. It says, trust God's sovereignty in your life. You have to trust God's sovereignty in your life. And for, all, for us that don't know what sovereignty means, sovereignty means God rules over everything and does what he pleases. God rules over everything. Whether we understand it and we don't, and trust me, there's many situations in my life that I've, I'm like, I've had that question, why God? Why? It just doesn't make sense. But it's not for me to make sense. There's a lot of times when, like, if you're a parent and you're trying to talk to your three-year-old or your five-year-old, and you just know that you're going to try to explain something, something to them that they're just not going to understand. They're just not going to understand it. Their mind can't wrap around the situation that you're trying to explain to them. Now, imagine from God's vantage point what he deals with and what he rules. And he looks at us. He's like, ah, you're not going to understand it. You're going to have to trust me on this one. So that's the action. The first one, trust God's sovereignty in your life. The second major point is this, is his presence 
manifested, his presence manifested. And I know the first point we said it was about the basket, basket. I'm trying to give you clues. It's about, the first point was about the basket. And the second point is about the bush, okay? It's the burning bush. That's what we're going to be talking about the second point. It's in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephthro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hevites, Jebusites, all these tites. And now the, the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So here... There's so much in that passage. But I'm going to start off by telling you the action of this second main story of this uh, in the book of Exodus I'm highlighting. It says this, stop to see the burning bushes in your life. Stop to see the burning bushes in your life. What's amazing was Moses, he said, I will go over to see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. He knew something was different. He knew that this isn't ordinary. He knew that the circumstances that were taking place didn't make sense. And all of a sudden, he's like, let me go over there and see what's taking place. Now, mind you, Moses had a close relationship with God. So all of a sudden, like, who knows what he discerned at the moment too, but he went to see it. But imagine if he didn't go. Imagine if he didn't go. Imagine if he decided to walk away or not to listen. Imagine if he decided, you know what, in my life towards God, I'm going to have a wooden door. 
where I can't see anything that's taking place, or I can't feel anything that's taking place. Or imagine if uh, Moses decided I'm going to have a vault door, that I'm not, I'm going to keep God out of my life. No, no, no. Moses was open to hear from God, and here's the burning bush, and he approaches it. Now, so, so, something that we need to realize is God could use anything to interrupt your life and speak to you. Anything God could use to interrupt your life and speak to you. I'm not saying that you're going to be walking through Warren Ankle Park and all of a sudden you're going to be exercising the track, you know, New Year, New Me, 2023. So all of a sudden you're walking through the track and all of a sudden you see a burning bush at Warren Ankle. You know, you're going to call the fire department. I'm not saying you're going to see a physical burning bush, but God could use anything to grab your attention. Anything. God can use anything to interrupt your life to get your attention. The burning bush for Moses was a call to go on an adventure with God. Imagine if he would have missed out on that opportunity. And then also something that's powerful about that moment, when God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. You have to be willing to pay the price to have that type of relationship with God. Because all of a sudden, God said, hey, this is holy ground. I'm here now. Moses, you can't even come near me with your dirty sandals. You got to take your sandals off. And the sandals are symbolic to the world. The dirtiness, the filth of the world, the ways of the world, the thinking of the world, the habits of the world, the things that the world says is okay, but the Bible says it's wrong, but we accept it because we want to be cool with the world. But let me tell you, in God's presence, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. So all of a sudden here, it's like you have to take off your sandals. Symbolic of the ways of the world, but most Christians want to come to God with our worldliness. Most Christians want to come to God with just one foot in the world and one foot trying to follow God. But God says, it's like, no, no, no. We don't play by your rules. God is sitting on the throne and he's king. And remember I told you just not too long ago, he's sovereign and he's the one that rules over everything. We don't, we don't get the luxury to make up our own rules and our own playbook on how we're going to live our life. And we don't come up with the decisions on what's right and wrong and how we could approach God or not. God is like, no, no, no. I am king. And if you're going to come near, you better take off your sandals. You have to take off your sandals because nothing from the world could come close into my presence. And for each of us, I know many of us, we long to get closer with God, but our hearts are torn. Our hearts are pulled by the things of the world. Every step we get closer to God, we look over our shoulder because we see what the world is offering us and we want that too. I just want to recommend, stop looking over your shoulder. Keep your eyes completely focused on God and keep chasing after God. And something else with Moses is also this. Your whole life, can change from one burning bush experience with God. Your whole life could change from one burning bush experience with God. I mean, God wants to meet with each of us every single day, but there's moments in our life that 
are super tangible that you just know there's something special about this moment like a burning bush. I remember specifically there was one day where there was so many different things happening in my life. And in some ways, if you would have looked at my life from the outside, it might have looked a little chaotic. It might have looked a little chaotic. And I remember as clear as day, I was driving and I pulled to the side of the road and I was just there to park my car. And I just parked my car. The moment I parked my car, God's presence filled that car in such a powerful way that literally I just started to cry. I, there was nothing else I could do. Like it wasn't, it was so powerful. It wasn't like I, I, I was able to even think about it. Like, wait a second, God just stepped into this room right now. Like literally I just started to cry and I was just overwhelmed with God's presence in that car and in my life. And I crystal clear heard God speak to me that day. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. And he spoke to me so powerfully, but that's, I've had many of those types of moments, but those moments don't happen every day, of course, or anything like that. But without question, God wants to speak to us every day. But those moments that seem like those burning bush moments, we could think of those moments in our life where God stepped in in a very tangible and powerful way. And for those of us, you might be here, be like, you know what, Carlos, that's great. That's never happened to me. You might be thinking that, but let me tell you, God wants it to happen to you. But maybe you've walked past the burning bush time and time again because your eyes are fixed and focused on so many other things. And I'm not just talking about things that are sins and things that are, might be bad um, for you. There's good things that could distract you, like your career, work, Family, bills, well, bills is not good. That's a bad thing. But, uh, but you get what I'm saying? Like you're dealing with stuff, money at home, you know, like all of a sudden good things in your life, you know, running after your goals, your dreams and stuff. Those things could distract you. The social media could distract you. Netflix could distract you. All these other things could take precedent over your relationship with God. It's up to you. And let me tell you, If you seek God with all your heart, you will find him. That's a promise from God. You'll find him. But the thing is that you have to seek him with all of your heart. Not a quarter of your heart or half of your heart. It's all of your heart. Something I want to highlight that's interesting about Moses' life. uh, This is a quote that's been said. I don't even know who first said it, but it was said a while ago. And I think it's really cool. I just want to put it behind me. It says this, Moses spent... 40 years thinking he was somebody in Egypt. 40 years learning he was nobody, but we know that's because he was in the desert. And then 40 years discovering what God could do with a nobody. So here you clearly see like the first 40 years, Moses, you know, he thought he he was somebody. He was living in Egypt and he had the blessing of the Pharaoh, you could say. You probably thought he was somebody. And maybe, you, maybe even you think that you're somebody because your titles, your degrees, or whoever, like what you have or you've achieved. But God had to bring Moses to a place where he realized, oh, you're, you're nobody without me. 
And then in the desert, he realized he was nobody, but then in the desert with the burning bush experience and the journey, he realized what God could do with a nobody. Now we're going to go to the third and final point in the book of Exodus. It's his presence maintained. Everyone can say maintained. Maintained, maintained. Now, the first one we talked about, it was the first B, the basket going through the river. The second B, what is it? Burning bush. And the third B is boulder. Okay, everyone say boulder. It's probably it's not every day we say boulder, but you'll see what I mean when we read this. But Exodus chapter 33, verses 11 through 23, it says this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. I even want to pause there real quick. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Now, something I'm going to say, and it's going to be obvious as we go a little bit further down, that it wasn't literally face to face because Moses would die if he would be looking at God face to face. And you'll see that. It says it in in the scriptures. But it says face to face, how it follows, as one speaks to a friend. As one speaks to a friend. Then Moses, we're going to continue the verse. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what the Lord says. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If you forget everything else I said this morning, I don't want you to forget this next verse that we're going to read. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing, the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And I want you to pay attention to this, because in these next verses, It's a unique experience where we get to see the interaction with Moses and God as God is revealing himself more to Moses. In verse 19, it says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And that word also means boulder. When my glory passes by, I will put you on the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Here in this passage is so powerful. God spoke to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. We all have close friends that we speak to. Imagine talking to God like that. When was the last time that you talked to God face to face, not rehearsed or planned out or like, you know, like all these things to help you, just you pouring out your heart to God and listening to what God has to say to you? Like a relationship. That's what God wants. God doesn't want you to follow religion. God wants a relationship with you. It's about relationship. Also here is something that's powerful is how, how Moses said, if your presence did not go with us, do not send us up from here. Pretty much saying, you know what? I'm not willing to make any move in my life if, unless you're coming with me. I'm not going to take one step forward unless I know God is there. I'm not going to make any decision in my life unless I know God is going to bless it and God is going before me. Unless God's presence is there, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how much the world is dangling in front of me. I don't care if the world thinks that's the way to go. But if you're not there, God, I'm not willing to go. I'm not willing to go. I'm not even willing to take one inch away from being in your presence because your presence matters more to me than anything else, more than any relationship, more than any job, more than any career, more than any movie, more than any entertainment, more than any goals or dreams, positions, titles, money, whatever it may be. Without your presence, I'm completely lost and I need your presence more than anything else in my life. And that's what Moses said. It's like, God, God, without you, and he knew, Moses knew about the promised land, pretty much what, the, what God had for them. And you know what? It's like, forget the promised land, Moses is pretty much saying. It's like, unless you're not there, I just want to go where you are, God. If your presence is going towards the promised land, I'm going to the promised land. Moses is like, I'm not going to let anything get in between me and you, God. Nothing. Full access, a door with full access. No screen door, no glass door, no wood door, no vault door. Nothing in the way between you and I. And then something that's obvious is Moses' hunger for God. After that whole interaction, the burning bush and everything that he's experienced, he just still wants more. He's like, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me more. So many Christians have settled. So many, so many Christians have just decided, you know what? I think I have it figured out. This God thing, I, I, know, I think I know what. Let me tell you something. 
we haven't even scratched the surface of what it means to have a close relationship with God. If you think you have a close relationship with God, you really need to re-examine your walk with God because I guarantee you that God has more because here's Moses who had a relationship with God, talking to God as a friend talks to someone face to face and he still says, God, show me your glory. I, wanna, I want more. I want to see you more. I want to experience you more. I want to know more about you. I want to live in your presence. I don't want to follow religion. I don't want to follow pretty much tradition. I don't want to check off the list. I did my devotionals. I went on church on Sunday. I read the Bible. No, no, no. You could do all those things, but keep your heart far from God. The last action step is this. Crave closeness with God above everything else in your life. Crave closeness to God. It's there behind me. Above everything else. Above everything else. Above relationship with any, anyone. Anyone. I, I crave God more than any other relationship. Of course, I'm married with Jen. I want Jen to hunger after God more than me or anyone else. Like I want everyone to put God as number one in their life. But to be able to, to see God moving, manifested, and maintained, we need to have this relationship. We're going to read now, switching it up, stepping out of the book of Exodus to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Now, this passage here is probably one of the hardest ones to really even read sometimes. These are words from Jesus, but I think we'll understand where he's coming from here. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Now, I just want to pause there real quick. He's talking about Christians here. Because these are people in ministry. They've prophesied in your name. They drove out demons in his name. They performed miracles. They were doing the busyness of church. But yet then God turns around. It says, verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So pretty much, literally, you could do so many things around God, but never know God. Think about relationships in your life, whether it might be seasons, maybe you had days or weeks or seasons with people in your life. Maybe it's been your marriage or your mom, your dad, or your children, where you could do business around them, but yet your hearts are far away. You could be living under the same roof, but your hearts are far away. Here God says, you know what? You could do all this stuff, but you could be far away from me. The last point is going to be behind me. It says this, we're practicing evil when we reject God's invitation for a relationship. Because God said, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. You evildoers. How I said, we are practicing evil when we reject God's relationship, uh, invitation for a relationship. Even now, I just want everyone to bow their heads. I want you to think of your life. 
Today is a day that you might have to recommit your relationship with God. Today is a day where you have to draw the line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of giving God just a quarter of my heart or half of my heart or three quarters of my heart. God deserves all my heart. I'm tired of going through my life without God's presence. I'm tired of making decisions, looking into the future, stepping into this world, thinking I could handle it on my own without God's presence. I'm tired of just having pretty much a superficial relationship with God, but you want something closer and deeper. You know that you need God's presence in your life more than anything else. And you want to be closer to him. And as we sing this worship song, let it be a declaration of commitment of wanting to be closer to God. The altar is open I invite you to stand. I invite you to pour your heart out to God. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about anything else. This is between you and God. One day we're all gonna have to stand before God face to face. And let me tell you, the people that are next to us right now, they're not gonna be standing next to us when we stand before God face to face. It's gonna be us speaking to God, giving account to what we've done with our own lives. And God, what he longs is a deep relationship with each of us but it's your choice. So right now, this moment, the altar is open. You could stand, you could come forward. And I just invite you to pour your heart out to God. Father God, as we're gathered here with every eye closed and our hearts surrender to you, God, There's nothing more than we want than a relationship with you, God. God, we give you permission to knock down every door that we have placed between us, God. God, remove it, Lord God. Every obstacle, every wall, every hindrance, Lord God. God, we just give you permission to remove it, Lord God. God, we don't want anything to be in the way between you and us, Lord God. God, we want to know you, Lord God, and speak to you face to face the way that Moses did as a friend speaks to a friend, Lord God. God, forgive us for all the times we've chased after the things of the world and the things that distract us and the to-do list and all the things that are really religious in nature, God, but yet we forsake knowing you and having that close relationship. God, we want to know you. We want to have that close relationship with you, God. May today be a day that everything changes, God, that we would start to talk to you every day, Lord God, that we would consult with you when we make decisions, Lord God, that we wouldn't be willing to go into the next day or season of our life without you, Lord God, not even the next moment of our day without you. So God, we give you everything And we surrender everything to you, Lord God, and have your way in our lives. And we declare that you are the king of our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. 
If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.